All right, June, episode whatever number, we don't know, but we're talking about money. Money, money, money. Just want to say before money. we start out that I'm poor. <laughs> yes, uh, we are <laughs> We are not two uh, wealthy individuals speaking to you from a place of, uh, you know, 401k and IRA tremendousness, right? We're coming from the trenches of debt. Yeah, and then, you know, you could say say that again and again and again. You know, I personally have um, north of $300,000 $300, of students. It's a house, debt. Logan. Bro, that's a Ferrari. Yeah, actually, I don't know. With the inflation going on these days, I don't know if that's a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a very Maybe good a house. Fixer upper. I'll just, I like to say I have a Ferrari of the brain that I can't drive fast yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just what I tell myself to feel better at night. Yeah, so we both know that we're poor, but you kind of wanted to talk, you, you kind of wanted to take a mental health angle on this conversation about money. Right. Um, you know, I just think money impacts our mental health, of course, Absolutely. so much. I think everybody in this world can relate to that. Even oddly, people that are incredibly, incredibly wealthy, you know, like, unfortunately, they probably have an unhealthy relationship with their money. Um, and then people on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm sure are worrying about money from a very different perspective. Like, how am I going to make rent? How am I going to afford my food? You know, the basics and necessities of life, like to think about how that contributes to mental health, you know, it has what, what has more of an impact potentially on your mental health. And oddly, you know, me and you are psychiatry residents. How much do we really bring up money management with our patients? How much training do we receive on how we should be talking about money with our patients? Little to none. Zero. (laughs) Little to none. Yeah. Right. Outside of writing, patient is depressed secondary to significant financial stressors. Beyond that, I never really explore in depthly. You know, and and this is um, incredibly personal to me. And I feel comfortable kind of talking about this in very odd realms. You know, I've learned from my mistakes in life, not perfectly, of course. You know, like we said earlier, I do not have my finances managed perfectly. Far from it. Um... But, you know, I live with bipolar disorder type 1. You know, um, I talk about that a lot. I, for quick, humble plug. Wait, has you, that ever affected your finances? I, that's Were you ever one gonna... of those patients that was swiping credit cards? Is that where this hip story is leading to? So, if you want to hear further about bipolar disorder, outside of just this wonderful episode this evening, I have my own podcast, Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. Um and the answer is 100% June. Absolutely. Oh, I did not know that. 100%. I make jokes about how I sometimes think bipolar disorder patients are arguably more dangerous with credit cards than guns. Okay? Because, like, I really don't have an attitude. Yes, I understand there's some mentally ill people that are violent. Yes. So, it's like, I think that they're, I always like to say to my medical students, to my new trainees, I think mental illness people get an unfair association with violence. I strongly believe that, but it's not zero either. And so let's, let's agree on some things like patients are unpredictable. Um, A lot of patients also die by suicide. And then a lot of people that die by suicide, a great amount of them are bipolar disorder. It's like a 20x risk of completing suicide if you have bipolar disorder. It's very, very scary. That being said, um, you know, each one of us, at least a lot of us in this world, receive, um, you know, 
advertisements in the mail about getting credit cards. You know, you see signs and billboards these days. Um, you know, no money down, no credit needed to buy this car. Everybody like finance, finance, finance. It seems like it's very easy to finance things in this world. What contributed to the recession of 20, uh, 2008, excuse me, was, you know, so many people could get mortgages that weren't really qualified. Right. Um, and so, yes, you know, I, I was one of those, and I guess we should kind of outline this for the listener. One of the risky criteria that we see in people with bipolar disorder is excessive spending, risk-taking spending, um, risky behavior. You know, so some of the things that we see in our board questions are like gambling, financing, new cars, uh, excessive credit card debt. Hit that, hit that on the head, bro, sadly, you know, unfortunately. Um when I was manic, I remember I put like five kegs and a PlayStation 4 on a credit card. Ah, okay. <laughs> Not all at the same store, but within like two hours right, of what each happened other, to the five bro, kegs? We threw a fantastic party, <laughs> but I mean, um, that was at a much younger and time. And play PlayStation but, after? <laughs> yes. Look, it was graduation week. I'm sure a lot of other people were excessively spending at that time. But sadly, you know, that was when I was 22 years old and it also was in the midst of a manic episode. Uh, the coincidences of life, huh? Right. And, you know, when I got out of the hospital, um, I was at that point in my life in sh- uh, working at an insurance company. Okay. <laughs> making more money than we're making now, sadly. Oof. Yeah, sorry, a little punch in the nuts under the table. How does that feel, June? That's, yeah, 11 years ago. Hey, but working a lot harder, right? No. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, dude, you fucking set me up with that one, dude. That was good. Yes, sadly, 11 years later, after becoming a doctor, I still make less money than I was when I was 22. It's fine. Hang it's in fine. there. Hang and, in there. And, and look, I mean, I'm being a complete asshole right now, let's call it. The future is very bright for me financially, and, you know, psychiatry is in such a demand field. I'm excited for the future, but let's talk about my tough times, man, you know. Um, when I left the psychiatric ward, I tried to buy my way to happiness, in a sense. You know, I financed a very expensive Jeep uh, Wrangler, wow. four-door, red, beautiful. Um, you know, and, and through the years, I would actually argue my um, automobile purchases are kind of an Achilles heel for me, right? And and I can kind of be very impulsive with money. It's very, very um, closely aligned with how I manage my bipolar disorder in a sense. And, you know, 11 years removed from managing my bipolar disorder. And maybe it's just natural of being maturing, right? You know, I'm 34 years old, but so also has my management of finances. And it doesn't really come up, at least in my personal treatment with therapists, with psychiatrists over the years. And I think it should, you know, because I, there's been many times where I've had to, you know, just been in financially stressful situations and then how that bleeds over and causes me to be more anxious causes my sleep to worsen uh causes me to feel an excessive amount of fatigue because maybe i had to work more or just worry take different jobs for financial reasons whatever you know we don't have to get into the specifics how many people can relate to marriage issues that are related to finances i think it might be the number one cause for divorce right Right. And then, you know, me and you are, of course, in uniquely uh, weird student loan scenarios where we have just an 
insane plethora of student loans and the anxiety associated with that. What if me and you get injured right now? How do we pay off of our student loans? What do we do? You know, it's it's quite frankly terrifying. Um, so, man, we've been recording for about eight minutes, so I've been rambling. So what do you think about how uh, finances and, and mental health inter- interact? So I just want to make a quick point. Um, there's this alarming stat out there. 56% of Americans can't cover a $1,000 emergency expense with savings. Hmm. So it is not an understatement to say that there's a lot of people out there dealing with significant financial strain. And you're absolutely correct. Um, we don't really, it's not something that we're really taught in medical school or in residency training, but intuition, logic, and life experience will certainly tell us that finances are an absolutely essential part of your emotional well-being um i mean it's just like the maslow's hierarchy of needs right at the very bottom you need stability for housing food and how do you how do you acquire you know the basic necessities in today's day today's society it is through money um and you also said something very interesting um you try to buy your happiness you bought that red jeep wrangler Mm -hmm. that's usually a story that doesn't turn out well it's mm. usually a story that leads to realization that you feel empty. Mm. Is that something that you experienced? I think the answer is nuanced mm-hmm. um, because it definitely did make me feel empty, right? You know, the new car has that uh, swag, that feeling that it gives you, you know, when you immediately get it, but that, of course, wears off, you know, and and then you're realizing... Um, oh, I have this hefty monthly payment. And oh, yeah, I kind of forgot that it costs more money to insure a more expensive vehicle. All that being said, though, you know, I'm a car dork. I love cars. Some of the memories I have in that car with my friends doing donuts in this off-road vehicle special area in California that where it was legal to do these kind of things was a blast and I wouldn't trade those experiences, you know, like, so in many ways I'm still, that experience happened. I lived from it or learned from it, excuse me, but I don't regret it. Right. You know, and I, and I hope people can kind of look at maybe past financial mistakes in that same realm and not beat themselves up for past mistakes, learn from them, realize what that experience gave you, what it, what it obviously took away from you financially. Um, and, and move on, because I think it's so easy in this world to get caught up in this cycle of negativity where we overanalyze the past and we get kind of stuck in that rut. And, you know, also not look at any of the good. Like, I was able to have some really fantastic um, skiing experiences in that car. Uh, and like I said, like, I do have a lot of fun, fun memories. So it did bring you a lot of happiness. Right. You were partially. able to purchase it. You know, but, but, you know, so what are the things I've kind of learned from that experience is, hey, man, you know, I didn't need the newest, sexiest Jeep in town. You know, that same experience could have been had for, um, with like maybe like a $2,000 Jeep. So which, here, would have, which, which would have saved you the anxiety and all those associated negative right. emotions later. Right. So let me then transition then. And I went to Pacific Northwest University um, for medical school in Yakima, Washington. Um, what I did at that time in my life, I got $2,000 of student loan money. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Let's go. 
Um, or actually, maybe that was from the job before. Long, but it doesn't really matter. Two thousand dollars. I bought just this like junk Jeep. This junk Jeep. And one of my coping skills to handle all the bullshit associated with medical school was figuring out how that damn Jeep worked. And I lived in a beautiful area of the country where you could drive on national forest land. Ooh. And so I took that Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee off-road, and it was this big V8 motor. motor. Um, my wife and I were actually, our favorite thing to do in Washington was to drive up into the national forest. You could pay $5 and cut down your own Christmas tree. On that experience, we almost ran over an elk. <laughs> it was like a huge elk bigger than that damn SUV. An experience only money can buy. I mean, incredible. So yeah. like I had an incredible automobile experience, but at that time of my life, only with $2,000. Um, so I'm a big proponent of Dave Ramsey, actually. Have you, are you familiar with Dave Ramsey? Of course. I mean, I hope you guys have heard of Dave yeah. Ramsey. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, I at least did initially, tune out from Dave Ramsey um, because of maybe Christian stuff, right? Um, you know, at least I did. I was like, oh, I, I don't like church. I don't want to listen to this guy who at times, like, um, you know, cites biblical verses or whatever and, and how that impacts our financial management. I was a little weirded out by that because... I'm just, I'm not a Christian. That's not something I really associate with. But then I realized, like, listen to what he's teaching you. Listen to how money management can actually alleviate so much anxiety. Having a plan that's not this, like, wildly complex thing um, to move towards and realize that at different stages of your life, you're going to be at different steps in that plan. I encourage all of you to check out Dave Ramsey's, um, books. I, I can't remember the names. I've read like the most popular one. I've listened to his podcast and his YouTube. The Baby Steps. The Baby Steps. Right. That's what it's called. And, you know, realizing like there's no quick get rich thing. It's a long, slow, disciplined process. Um, but you can figure out your money and get out of debt. And one of the most important important things is creating a emergency fund that's adequate for like you said those um one thousand dollar uh emergency expenses those emergency expenses are always going to come those rainy days as they say he calls it like the rainy day fund Mm -hmm. um you know so however big your family i think what he always says it should be between five hundred dollars and like maybe $2,000, you know, so you have to analyze what's best for your family, but getting that, paying yourself first, having that savings account that's very liquid, and what I mean by that, you can pull money out of it very, very easily, like a simple savings account, and move it over to checking. If need be, if you get in that car accident, if you have that unexpected medical need, or whatever, from there, you know, Dave Ramsey's philosophy that I agree with is getting hypervigilant with your debt, you know, I disagree with Dave Ramsey in some regard with how hard you, how far you go with that. You know, he's a, an advocate against taking student loans for medical school and all this stuff, which whatever, I'm going to take my own approach. But, you know, just having this long goal that I have now that, okay, I have a rainy day fund, I have my own, um, you know, income, and I'm going to maximize the, the employment benefits that are associated with that. And then from there, you know, I'm going to have a long-term plan of paying off of this debt and be disciplined with that because like me and you both outlined, you know, we have such a tremendous loan burden. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are enjoying this podcast, I'd really like you to check out the other podcast that I created before this. This one's called Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. I created this when I was still in medical school and also still starting uh, residency. So if you enjoyed this show, guaranteed you're going to like that show as well. Thank you. How would you improve your mental health through your management of finances? Me personally? Or, I guess, if you don't want to go into your personal stuff, how would you advise a patient? I think, so I think this is the the, the biggest thing. Um, So, of course, right, um, it's always about saving, spending, um, living living below your means. Mm -hmm. Um, As they tell us, uh, you live like a resident even when you're attending for a few years and you'll be okay financially, right? So that's, you know, that goes for everybody. If you live below your means, um, you can achieve financial stability, whereas Dave Ramsey would call it financial peace. I think the more interesting thing to um, to kind of discuss here, given that, you know, I am not a financial advisor, this is not my professional background, and there's so many more people that are much more educated than I am in the realm of finances who can speak much more eloquently and more informatively about how to build wealth. But the, the, the thing that interests me as a psychiatrist from a mental health standpoint is, one, why is it such a hard thing for people to accomplish? Why are we living in a society where 52% of majority of Americans can't even pay $1,000 of une- unexpected bills? I figure a large amount of that has to just do with our culture. I mean, we live in a very capitalistic society. Like you said, you can get a you can get a, f- a financing deal for anything. It seems we live in a consumer culture. There's fast fashion. Right. We when things break down, we have a culture of buying new products, replacing things that could be fixed. So, why is it, you know, when we know as far as our mental health is concerned, having financial stability can take off so much stress, so much burden off your shoulders. Why is it so difficult for, for a majority of individuals to attain this goal? Um, and it's, uh, I'm sure it's a, it's a multifaceted answer, but it's one worth discussing because if we can, if there's one thing that you can solve, um, that would improve the lives of, the patients that you're seeing i mean finances is one that would have an mm. incredible impact you know like how what what would what would the emotional health for our country be if we had a culture of financial stability um mm. and we don't live in a constant state of debt that that so many people are encouraged to i'm yeah. gonna say they're encouraged to this oh, is absolutely our yeah some people say it's weird not to have debt Mm-hmm. You know, they they say like, oh, you're paying all that. Like, why why are you doing that? You're you're looked at as an odd individual if you're living your life that way. Mm. Um, but there's so much peace and stability that comes from having that financial stability. So besides this hype, this culture of hyper consumerism, like, what what else do you think is going on, and what can we recommend people? I don't know. It's such a complicated answer. I don't even think there's an answer. Right, and like you know, that's why I do at the end of the day. I, as much as I, you know, professed my appreciation of Dave Ramsey, I adamantly also disagree with him on some things. You know, I wish, I do strongly wish everyone in this world could just volunteer in some regard in an ICU or on a rapid response team for like a day. And why I say this, get associated with what it's like to witness someone die. And it's traumatic. It's really... Um, 
it's made me really realize that I could be in that situation a lot easier than I think. You know, looking death in the eyes and realizing what it's like when someone transitions into whatever that means. So I don't know when I'll meet that day. But what I do know when I meet that day, I want to at least have my last breath and look back on my life and say, well, I don't give a shit if I died with hundreds of thousands of dead as long as the people around me are doing okay. But also, I took advantage of the breaths that I did have on this world. You know, I I saw the things that I wanted to. I experienced the things that are most important to me. You know, I'm, I'm aware that I've made, you know, spending decisions based on my experiences towards skiing, traveling, surfing. And you know what? I'm going to live with that. And so I think at the end of the day, it's a yin and a yang, right? It's having it's a balance. balance. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, we have to be vigilant in one regard with our finances, but also realize that, you know, how you judge your life and the quality of your life is not purely dependent on the amount that you have in that 401k account. We've been, we've been sold a dream as a culture, as a society, that the key to happiness is having X experience, that the key to happiness is owning Y vehicle, mm-hmm. that the key to happiness is having Z amount of dollars in your bank account. So perhaps, you know, and this is just food for thought, maybe one of the things that we can do as, as uh, mental health care professionals is through therapy, um, kind of realign people's expectations, mm-hmm. um, kind of realign people's compass as to what really brings satisfaction, fulfillment um, in the quality of your life. Because, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about the hedonic treadmill. Um, people's happiness adapt very quickly. I right. mean, so when I initially asked you about, you know, like, did buying that Jeep Wrangler bring you happiness? I wanted to follow up and ask, like, I, hey, I bet, you know, like three months later, like, it was just your car again. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, and it can work both ways. There's individuals that lose a leg. And three months later, they return to a baseline level of happiness where they were previously. Mm-hmm. And this just seems to be a a uniquely human condition that none of us are exempt from. So all these things, you can buy them, but at the end of the day, it you know, science has definitively shown that it's not going to change your level of um, happiness. Um, and, and on that note, that reminds me, perhaps not a, not, I don't think Dave Ramsey said it, but um, one of the other financial um, YouTubers that I watch, I think said it, uh, it, it was the concept of, um, I guess it was tied into the concept of living below your means, but mm-hmm. basically you don't want to jump from having a, you know, having my beat down 2011 Honda Accord to getting a G wagon. Right. Right. Because once you get there, like there's nothing else, you know, and mm-hmm. your level of happiness with that G wagon with my 2011 Honda Accord, which is incredible, by the way, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, it's science has shown that the level of happiness is going to be the same. I'm going to push back a little. I mean, I think, Money can buy some happiness, right, to some extent. You know, isn't there that that one famous study that money buys happiness up until about 150 grand a year? Yes, yes, absolutely. Which, like, I think actually is probably not... Inflation. Um, inflation they they got to change it to, like, 200000 <laughs> Right. But, you know, I'm really... I think it can buy some experiences, and, you know, especially... And, and gratification and happiness. Like, I think it's just... It's all about relativity. And... You know, look at the path we're on. I, I still make less money 11 years out from when I was 22 years old and now I'm a doctor. It's this weird kind of position and like, you know, the definition of delayed gratification, that's kind of skill that each one of us can relate to. Each one of us, 
I mean, maybe not everyone, but of course in, in a professional, uh, like graduate kind of school setting, right? Where you've had to really like hey, put your years in. professionals of delayed gratification. Right, right. And, you know, like giving yourself little little increases in whatever is important to you in life. So if I had in in some regard myself as a patient, right? You know, like trying to say like, look, I know your favorite vehicle is a BMW M3. Um, I want that same kind of balance, that front engine, that um, manual transmission, rear wheel drive, incredible car. But that's an extremely expensive car, Mr. Noon. Don't you think you could have a very similar experience that would provide you still increased gratification, a great experience, but in a more financially responsible way? How could we meet in the middle? How could we improve the quality of your day-to-day experiences? And through that, you know, what, what, how can we meet? So I think those are the kind of conversations that I hope to intend to have with my patients. I do want to openly talk about like, you know, tell me how you're feeling, you know, like what anxiety do you worry about? Are you able to, you know, make your bills? How can I help you um, feel more content with your life so you don't have to go out and excessively spend and and figure out a game plan um, to, I mean, a lot of people are in debt, right? Like how can you figure out a game plan to still be happy with this life, not feel like you're just trying, you're so depressed because of the tremendous debt you're under? So I wonder if, um, you know, you do out that number out there, $150,000, the pre-inflation number um, a year. Yeah, I don't know when that yeah. study was. Yeah, but it's a very commonly uh, cited mm-hmm. study. Um, you know, basically the, the the meaning behind that is you only need X amount of dollars. Everything mm-hmm. be- after that is um, it's not going to make you any more happier. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that there are peop- a lot of people um, that pursue a higher and higher salary uh, right. at the expense of other aspects of their life um so is that are they getting that thrill that satisfaction what that joy whatever it is that keeps them on that endeavor is that from the pursuit of getting more money or mm-hmm. is it from actually the attainment of money and i know that kind of sounds like the same thing but i'm asking that i'm kind of thinking out loud here because um, you know, once you attain that goal, I feel like there's a lot of emptiness in actually achieving that goal. Mm. Um, not sure if you're familiar with uh, with this documentary. It was actually a Michael Phelps documentary. Um, mm. Came out a few years ago. The, but the one on HBO or whatever. I think so. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he yeah, talked about winning his Olympic gold medals, um, and there were a ton of other athletes that were very high achieving Olympic gold medalists featured in that video. That felt extremely empty and depressed after winning gold like the fucking Mm. gold medal bro yeah Yeah, they felt depressed after that and i think that's very analogous to um to some of the the mental health pitfalls that we can face with money i mean it's uh yeah it's something that we can chase but if we make that our ultimate and only goal at the expense of ignoring other aspects of our lives um which are arguably even more important our relationships especially right the time the way we choose to spend our time, you know, because that at the end of the day, when we're when we're laying down at bed at the end of a long, hard day or, you know, perhaps at the end of a long life, you know, well lived. That's those are the things that we're going to kind of think of and reflect mm-hmm. on. And, um, you know, I think that's tremendously important. And one last thing that I wanted to share with you is uh, I wish I remember the guy's name, but 
he was the he was a businessman in Utah. Eventually, ended up owning multiple businesses in in Utah, and actually ended up owning um, the the Utah Jazz, the professional basketball team. Oh, okay. Um, so he was the previous owner before the owner of the team right now. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, I was listening to that podcast, Founders Podcast, about oh, okay. entrepreneurs, their lives, and there was a significant portion about at the end of his life, he passed away at sixty five. I think he got cancer, and um, he unfortunately passed ended up passing away and when they interviewed his wife and they asked her if um she missed them she said well we never really saw him wow. when he was alive anyway because wow. it came at the expense of um extreme professional achievement yeah yeah and i think that's commonly seen in all aspects you know especially in the hyper productive hyper successful people that we mm-hmm. kind of place on pedestals yeah i mean i know like individuals like gandhi surgeons yeah <coughs> yeah what yeah but what like, was that yeah but like gandhi even individuals like martin luther king they mm-hmm. had not so great personal lives and mm-hmm. i wonder like you know i guess they, they're not the richest individuals especially in the case of gandhi but yeah i wonder if like did they chase something at the expense of the other the other important areas of life that also contribute significantly to feeling happy and fulfilled right you know and and i think what's i've found most helpful and what i would want to prescribe to my patients and to going after what you were saying you know like finding what's what's actually most important in life and i feel like you know, like, because when I actually do actually feel a surge of money, I feel like a or surge of money, what am I saying? A surge of energy kind of related to like, if I'm feeling maybe a little hypomania coming on, like, I feel like part of bipolar disorder to me is not just fluctuations in mood, but fluctuations in energy. And I sometimes feel like that energy leads my brain to just fire faster than it sometimes does when I feel like I have lower energy. What I'm trying to say then also kind of fuels desire. Ooh, I want that um, Cobb access port for my Ford Fiesta ST so I can increase the horsepower by 20. And and all these like stupid parts for my Ford Fiesta. You know, and or like I need the new sexiest uh, earbuds when I go to the gym so I can listen at a higher quality. You know, those and, are important. Earbuds are important. Right. I, <laughs> to some extent. But you know, what I've found to, you know, and it's it, it helps me with so many different things. But of course, meditation, but most specifically when I find myself in a state of, ooh, I really want to buy this. If only I had the excess amount of money. I'm annoyed. I'm depressed that I don't have this money right now. I want this thing now. I'm, I don't have this thing. And like, you just kind of find, at least me, I find myself in this weird obsessive state. If I can practice meditation, but specifically like a gratitude-based meditation, and if you've never tried to practice something like this, I encourage you just to go on YouTube. I'm not endorsing any specific channel. Type in gratitude-based meditation. You can find these things on like a million different apps on Spotify, probably on how you're listening to this podcast too. If you search gratiful mindful mindfulness. Um, and I practice, sit down for 10 minutes. Think about all the things I have in this world, my wife, my dogs, my cats, my house, my my family around me. And then I even start thinking about all even the physical things that I have, like, you know, my television, my couch, my bed, and like, and then you start really, wow, like, I feel like this rich, amazing individual. Look at all the things I have, all this like abundance around me, you know, all these things. It really finds that I've I can come out of that meditation having such a lower, less desire, and I can be in such a more content place. 
the most important takeaway, I think, to kind of tie things together is if you're somebody who's having financial difficulties and if those financial difficulties are causing a significant impact on your mental health, um, and I'm sure I'm sure it is. I mean, it's not it would be weird if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah, it actually part of stability. And actually, I, we've definitely met patients like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, so many patients. It seems like I mean, right? We we kind of joked about inflation, but that's a real issue. Yeah. It's certainly hurting me. Absolutely. Um, it hurts yeah. everyone. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the the jokes are just a defense mechanism. I'm the hurting. only people I'm that hurting. it doesn't hurt are the ones that control all the assets, which yeah. are all the wealthy people. Yeah. Um so with the inflation going on right now and with, you know, the fact that living wages have not kept up with rate of inflation going back decades, with um, the un- unemployment numbers the way they are, people feeling like they have no fulfillment in their jobs, that they're underpaid, um, with all these financial stressors going on right now. Honestly, I, I, I'm i sorry to say I don't really have a good answer other than a disciplined way of managing your money and that comes at the behest of significant sacrifices so i think if i was if a patient ever asked me in an outpatient setting on a one-to-one setting i think my recommendation would be to do some cognitive behavioral therapy and like i talked about earlier to kind of focus the vector of what's going to bring happiness um because what we really need is stability in our lives and having you know even if you don't have that fancy g-wagon bmw Mm -hmm. you know that fancy audi even if you don't have like balenciaga gucci Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is you know whatever you want for me it's a nice rolex watch i'm a watch guy so even if i don't have that rolex watch that's okay because i'm putting my army of dollar bills to work in a way that's going to give me the ability to have that $1,000 when an emergency comes up, mm-hmm. um, to be able to pay my rent, um, to not have to worry about if I'm going to be able to pay my rent rather. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff brings stability. That is that is a product in a way that I'm purchasing. And mm. I would recommend if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, if you're having financial issues, purchase that level of sanity, purchase that level of stability and Let's work towards improving your mental health. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. Like thinking of it as, I know you almost analogous, like, okay, you, I understand you want to make that purchase of a G wagon and okay. Think about, imagine what that, um, what that would feel like, what that would sound like, smell like now, imagine that you wouldn't worry about your bills as much. Imagine that you wouldn't fear what could happen if you can't work for a little time? As you say, like that purchasing of stability, what feeling, what emotion, what sense, smell, touch, whatever, similar to the G-Wagon, what, what would that give you in your life? I think that's a great way to look at it. I think that's a great way to finish this episode. Um, hey, 34 minutes or so, smash, smash, smash that like button. Have you watched that Hatchet uh, Hitchhiker Netflix thing yet? No, smash, smash, smash. Sorry, it's stuck in my head. But smash, smash, smash that like button if you haven't, or subscribe, or rating, or whatever. If you're going to rate one stars, please don't do that and just politely never listen to us again. Or just write us like a uh, constructive criticism in our DMs. That'd be beautiful please, instead of yeah, a one we're star review. For ways to improve. Maybe we suck. Tell us. Just don't, just don't rate us one star. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of that. permanent. Come on, bro. Yeah. Like, don't. Our yeah, that. like, just, it. just we welcome criticism via email, not on the public forum of uh, the iTunes store or whatever. Yeah, please don't trash us publicly. Five stars but. only. 
One stars, send that email. Hey, we're trying to. We got an email, right? Day. What's our email? Do you remember? The psych guys show at gmail.com. The psych guys show at gmail.com. That's easy. So, so please send so us easy. an email. Please reach out to us. We would love to connect with um whoever you are that's listening out there. Absolutely. And um with that said, thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to support my content, one of the best ways to do that is to log on to Amazon and just search my name, Logan Noon. You can see the two books that I've created. Yes, two. I have a children's book and a book appropriate for anyone pursuing higher education. This is one of the best ways to support me on my journey to provide you with mental health content. Thank you.